Let's join together in prayer. Precious and loving God, we thank you for all the tables that you have turned over. We thank you for all the doors that your grace has opened for us. Precious God, as I sit in this sanctuary, I say thank you. I thank you for the doors that you will open and have opened and you continue to open. Be with us on this journey of conversation, Lord, in your son's precious and loving name, I pray. Amen. I want to share a narrative with you today that's very important. We have a lot of friends who have a desire to be heard and received and seen. Now, there's places that these dear friends should should be heard, received, and seen. One of those places should be and is, God bless, I can share that, they are welcomed and accepted here. I'm trying to find a way to flip my camera over. I can't. This is a welcoming place. This is a beautiful sanctuary of North Coast United Methodist Church of 1501 Kelly Street in Oceanside, California. It's my blessing to celebrate how welcoming and loving and affirming this environment is. I'm blessed for what it's been for me. The place of development and growth. This building has been for me. I'm blessed to sit in this environment. I'm blessed for everything that this environment represents. I'm blessed that there's some good-hearted friends and good-spirited souls that care who come into this building. And I'm blessed for over the last few years, since 2018, the numerous friends that I've walked through these doors to receive care that I've personally have been blessed to be in communication with and to share and care with. I'm blessed. I'm blessed for the last few years to have been able to be blessed to say that I am the pastor of North Coast United Methodist Church at 1501 Kelly Street in Oceanside, California. I'm blessed for that because I love everything that this facility represents. Today, I kind of share in this narrative, and I want to do it in this room as we celebrate, celebrate, celebrate the actions that take place in the scripture that we'll be using this weekend. The scripture that I'm using for the worship services for the March 3rd worship service at North Coast United Methodist Church maintains a narrative that has been displayed over the years as a narrative that even Jesus Christ gets angry. That even Jesus Christ has shown anger. And I want you to know all that's true about this scripture. We're looking at the scripture of individuals who moved into a sanctuary and overran it, overran it with an excused narrative. They took advantage of it. The temple, the courtyard, the money changers, the things that they shared, the things that they sold, all of these things. The narrative of what the temple was supposed to be was turned over 
in a very harmful way. That's what we see taking place in this narrative and so so many years, and I believe it, believed it, and still believe it, believe it, Jesus Christ was very, very angry. I believe that Jesus Christ turned the tables over in defense of those who were being taken care of. I believe that Christ was enraged of what had happened to his father's house. That there's individuals who came to receive a blessing, but they were taken advantage of in that blessing. I see all those things in this scripture, and I believe it. And I believe in a Christ that got angry over that. And... And I believe in a Christ that has no wasted motion and in every bit of his being was a teaching moment for someone else. I would like to remind you that Christ knew not just the ones that were following him, that were listening to every word that came out of Christ's mouth and were there waiting to learn and to grow. I want you to know that I believe that Christ knew there were always individuals around who were waiting for him to do something or to say something that they could use to disprove his deity and disprove his leadership. And I also believe in individuals that were there that didn't have a clue what was going on And I believe in individuals that were in situations that they saw a narrative taking place that they had no emotional connection to, no understanding to. And I believe that they learned something about a new way through the process. And I believe that in this narrative of Christ turning over the tables in the temple, I full-heartedly believe, as my finger gets in the way of the shot, that Christ knew that there were people there to learn from Christ and people that needed to see Christ do very specific things within the moment of this narrative. I believe that there were people there that was challenging Christ and they either wanted to see if they could overrun Christ and excuse the image of, this, of that temple or if Christ cared enough to defend the temple, that, that happens in this, in that narrative. And I believe that there were people there that had no idea what was going on. They hear this uproar and this uprising, and they immediately want to learn what's happening. So I want to carry on this conversation with you in those three narratives. Let's begin which, with what might possibly be the hardest one. You don't hear the narrative ever in a sermon, in a Bible study, or what have you, of the individuals that had no clue what was happening. And there were individuals that just didn't know. They didn't have CNN or Fox News or Headline News or News Nation or whatever to give them their reports of this This teacher, this rabbi that was doing big things. They didn't have their news feeds or their podcasts that were sharing about all these things. Sometimes if they were in the right place at the right time, they heard people telling narratives of this one who came and were doing radical miracles and radically different things. There were people within this narrative that had no idea what was going on.
Well, let's talk about this narrative through their eyes as I cover the screen again. <laughs> let's talk about this narrative in their eyes. Here's things that they did know. It was because of power. Because they, they knew, they knew about the temple. They knew about the responsibilities of the temple. They knew that there were temples that were there wholly to care for spiritual lives. And they knew because they lived in society that some of the temple leaders had an askew image of what they were presenting, and they were not presenting a caring spirituality for others, but they were, were presenting a spirituality that would gain power and control for them. That's what we see very clearly in what's happening in this process of this conversation with Christ and the money changers. Christ and the ones who were used the temple as a marketplace. They have people that are coming from miles and miles away because it's important to them. There is an element of spirituality that individuals wanted to have an interaction with. And everyone brought their best with them to give it. And here's what they found when they hit the, the temple that day. They brought their best with them and they moved into a temple situation that said, your best is not enough. Give us your gifts and pay us a little bit more and we will provide something that you can use that is good enough. What you have is not good enough, but what we are providing for fee is. So here's a narrative that they're running into. And everybody that came there from miles and miles away who brought their best with them ran into this narrative. They are hearing that you're not good enough. They're hearing that you're not important. They're hearing that your gifts, your talents, your skills, your absolute best that you have brought to this narrative is not enough. And there has to be pain and torment into that. I mean, you have these people that have traveled miles upon miles upon miles. And they get there and they bring their best. They bring everything that they could bring. They bring their best and they hear those that are in charge in this temple, the money changers, say to them, you are not good enough. And that's painful. So there's people that are experiencing this pain and suffering who may have had enough to exchange and to go in to receive the blessings and the gifts that they came for. And God bless there are some who couldn't. And can you imagine not just the disappointment, but the pain, the hurt that you traveled miles upon miles upon miles walking bringing your absolute best, and you get to the temple that day, and they say, you're not good enough. Your best is not enough. And they walk away displaced. And then, they see this man, some of them not knowing who he was, defending them. Defending them. Not in actions of rage or anger, but a defender, a protector. 
someone there to balance the scales of this injustice that's taking place and cleansing the temple so it's a place that these individuals who have no idea who this man is, they do see him as a defender caring for them. And he makes their best good enough. So that's the ones that don't understand what's going on. So here's the narrative of the ones that didn't trust him. The ones that were there that were waiting to find a way to disprove who this Christ is. And the ones that were there trying to maintain as much power as they could in this setting by imbalancing the scales. There was no way that anything that anyone brought that day would be good enough because it was their power that they were trying to maintain. And through maintaining their power, they eschewed a narrative in such a way that no matter who was there, they would not have been good enough for the blessing. And then it was only the powerful and the elite that could receive it. So... Let's move into this narrative again, and let's go ahead and affix it to the individuals that needed the blessing. They needed it more than anything. The disempowered voices that traveled for miles and miles and miles because they needed to participate in their acts of faith and dedication to be blessed. They get there, and they can't afford it. And they're already weak. They're already tired. They didn't have extra to bring. They just had enough money to, to get by, enough food to make their journey. And then they had to bring everything else that was there for the sacrifice to receive the blessing. And then they get there and they see that only the powerful and the rich can receive it. The disempowerment in that. The depression, the fear, the anger in that. And then they see a person of advocacy. They don't see the person of anger that I have talked about for many years in Sunday school. They didn't even see the person who was there as a defender for them, like the ones that had no idea who Christ was. But they saw a person advocating for against their disempowerment. They see a person physically advocating against the rich and the powerful, balancing the scales, literally turning the tables over so that the ones who were already weak and already tired, could see that their best is enough. And the blessings that exist are not just for the ones that are rich and powerful, but they are also for the ones who are weary and tired and weak and poor. This defender shows that. This defender shows that. Then it, then this is where it gets a little shaky, because no matter what Christ does, okay, 
they got a narrative for it. And they're going to make Christ look bad no matter what. When a person has power and strength and has the upper hand, they have all sorts of ways to keep it. It truly is the imbalanced scales of the powerful against the, the oppressed. And it truly is this imbalanced scale of a person that was saying, I'm the measuring stick and you don't add up to my expectations. No matter what Christ does, Christ has got to deal with whatever they respond with. And it will be a narrative, a negative narrative, no matter what it is. So what is the actions that will display to the ones who doesn't know who Christ is, that there is a person willing to defend them and to prove that their best is good enough? Where is the narrative? Where is the narrative? of the individual who sees the disempowered and is willing to stand up against the oppressive elite and to show the disempowered they do have a place and they are worthy to receive the blessings. I feel that no matter what, Christ's angered response was the only possible one he could give because it was the one that would catch the interest of the disempowered. The one that would catch the interest to, that are feeling that they are unworthy to receive the blessings. It's the one that would catch their interest. And then, out of nowhere, this no longer becomes a narrative of a Christ that gets so angry and upset that he starts turning tables. To the ones that have been disempowered to the ones that have been told that they're not good enough, Christ becomes the visible example that you do have strength, and I'm here to help you have it. You do have value, and I'm here to help it be displayed. It had to be the loud narrative at this moment. So that the ones who were hurt and suffering, the ones who were dis devalued, the ones who were left to feel that they were not important enough to feel the blessings, it had to be this way. So that they could see the one who came to change everything. The one who came to turn the tables over. I want to change the narrative on this. And I want to change it away from the one, even a narrative that I have taught in my ministry. Yes, Christ was mad. And Christ was angry. But this is not a reactionary Christ that we see in this. This isn't the image of someone whose anger overwhelmed them to the extent that they started knocking tables over and chasing out money changers, there is a calculated response in what's happening in this. This is not a highly reactionary response, but it is one that was prayed through and processed so that others could see that they are valued, their best 
is enough. And there is a defender and there is a redeemer that is willing to go through the process of making it possible for them to sit in the sanctuary, the temple, and receive the blessings that are there for them. Hold on to that narrative. Hold on to that reality in your lives. And I pray that the blessings of Jesus Christ overflows in so many ways that you are fed because of the actions of the Redeemer. Thank you for this time of conversation. We don't serve a reactionary Christ. We serve a teacher that knows who's watching. And we serve a teacher that is caring enough to display and to provide the things that those observers need. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. God is love. God is not reactionary. And God is present in actions. Amen.